All right, let's head into 1 Samuel chapter 8 and see what God has for us tonight. I'm going to read all of chapter 8, and then we'll pray, and then we'll dive in and see what God has for us. So I hope you're there now at 1 Samuel chapter 8. This is what God's word says to us out of chapter 8. It says, Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. So the word, the name Joel, just pause with me for a second there. The name Joel in the Hebrew means the Lord is God. And the name Abijah in the Hebrew means my father is the Lord. And they were Samuel's two sons. Uh, and their names were very godly names, but they, these two guys were not very godly guys. Keep reading with me in verse 3. It says, But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old. I just love how they just, they're very direct in those days. Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing, this thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties, will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers, and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and vintage and give it to his officers and servants. He will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice, make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to his city. Let's pause there and pray. Lord, we come before you tonight and we are just so honored to be outside tonight. Uh, just a beautiful weather, beautiful day that you've given us, Lord. We are glad about it. We rejoice about it, and we praise you for it, Lord. And we are just so grateful to gather together tonight as adults and just study your word and just learn to love you and grow in you and grow in your grace and knowledge. I pray that as we read and study your word together, that you would make things clear to us, Lord, that you would teach us, that you would bring something to our mind that is new, that is fresh, 
uh, and maybe something that is old that we just need to be reminded of. So we come before you now and we commit our Bible study to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. So let me give you a little bit of a context of, to, of as to where we are. The year is about 1043 BC. Uh, Samuel at this time is about 60 years old. And the Bible says here that Samuel is a judge over the land of Israel. So what is a judge? Well, it's not like we imagine a judge, obviously, today wearing a, a black robe and holding a gavel, okay? A judge in the day of Israel, this was a man who, or a woman, there are many women in, in the Old Testament who were judges that God raised up. Uh, a judge in that day was not a king, all right? A, a judge was a man or a woman that God would raise up in that day to lead Israel, to lead Israel in battle, and to rule and reign, in a sense, over the land of Israel, all the other nations had kings, all right? But the land of Israel had judges because their king was God. And so this year was about 1043 BC. Samuel is, you know, they, they come to him directly and say, listen, you're, you're an old guy, Samuel, you're old. And he was about 60 years old. So, you know, that's old, I guess, to us. You know, maybe some of us have parents who are hitting that age. Don't call them old. Just call them Beautiful, and this is getting awkward. They were, Samuel 60 years old, and, and Samuel is that judge over the nation of Israel at this time. Uh, Samuel is also a prophet, but he is also known as Israel's judge that God raised up to lead over this nation of Israel. And the elders come to Samuel, and they say, Samuel, you're too old, and your two sons, they're too bad. We want a king. You're too old, your sons are too bad, we want a king. The Bible says that Samuel doesn't like this very much, but he goes and he takes it to God. And he says, God, listen, your, your people, they want a king. And what does God say to Samuel? Well, God says, give them what they want. Give them a king. But listen, when you go to the people and you let them know that they can have a king, let them know exactly what they're asking for. Give them all of the forewarnings about how this king will behave and let them know, make sure that they know exactly what they're asking for. So Samuel does that. He goes back to the elders and he says, listen, you want a king? The people are like, yes, we, yeah, we, we want a king, Samuel. He says, are you sure you want a king? Are you sure? The people say, yes, we're sure. We want a king. So Samuel warns them of how their kings, in effect, will act and he says, okay, I just want to make sure that you want a king because he will, this king, he will make your sons a part of his military. Is that all right? And they're like, yep, that's fine. He will also, Samuel says, make your sons mow his lawn and do all of his yard work. And this, the, the people say, that's fine. That's okay. He says, he will also make your sons his full-time car mechanic working on all the chariots and working on all the equipment. And they say, yep, that, that's okay. We get it. He says, okay, well... Are you sure you want a king? Because he's also going to make all your daughters be his cooks and bakers and make him all of his meals. Is that all right? And they're like, yeah, we, we got that. That's, that's fine. Samuel says, okay, well, you got to know he's also going to take your property and he's going to give it to his servants. They're like, okay. Say he's also going to take a tenth of all that you have and give it to his servants. And they're like, okay. He says he's also going to take your livestock and he's going to give it to himself. And they're like, yep, we got that. And he says, even you, some of the elders are going to be his servants. And they're like, okay, we want a king. 
Samuel says, all right, one more thing. You will regret this decision. And when you regret this decision, you will cry out to God and God won't hear you. Do you still want a king? And they say, we get it. We still want a king. We still want a king. Now, why did Israel beg for a king? Two reasons, and it's found in verses 19 and 20. Why did Israel beg for a king? Verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. There was two reasons why Israel begged for a king. The first reason, number one, is so that they could be like all the other nations around them. I mean, they, they were like, like babies complaining to, to Samuel. Samuel, every other nation has a king. We don't have a king. Every other nation has a king, except us. We want, a king. We want to be like everybody else. We want to be like all the other nations. We want a king. That was the first reason. The second reason they asked for a king was so that when they would go to war, that a king would go out before them and fight their battles for them. Two reasons. Number one, so that they could be like all the other nations. And number two, so that when they went to war, they would have a king who would go out to fight their battles. They wanted so badly to look like everyone else, even though the people and the nations that they wanted to emulate were not God worshipers. They worshiped after foreign gods. They wanted to look like everybody else. It's the main reason they wanted a king. We just want to look like everybody else. How many times do we set God aside in our lives because we just want to look like everybody else? How many times in our lives do we set God aside because we just want to fit in and we want to look like everybody else? And college students, seniors who just graduated, I love you. And I have seen far too many people upon graduating, go off to college and for the cost and for the sake of looking like everybody else, they compromise on what they know to be right and they just forsake the Lord. And I've seen it way too many times. And you've heard all the warnings from your church, from your family, from your friends. Don't go to that party. Don't do that. Don't get involved with that group. Don't hang out with those people. Don't involve yourself in those things, giving them all the warnings up front. And then they still say, I get it, but I want to do what I want to do. I want that college experience. I want that college experience. It's overrated. And even after the people of Israel heard all of this, they said, we got it, Samuel but we still want to look like everybody else. The cost of wanting to look like everyone else has paid for far too many regrettable mistakes. Nevertheless, God says, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 9 through 12, we're introduced to a man named Saul. Now Saul was a good looking man, the Bible says. In chapter 9, it literally says, there was no better man in all of the land that was better looking and more handsome than Saul. 
Saul in the Hebrew, Shaul, it means one who has been begged for. You get the hint here. One who has been begged for. God says his name is Saul, perfectly fitting for this job. The Bible says that he was also not only handsome, but he was head and shoulders above everybody else, tall guy. So ladies, just picture Chris Hemsworth here. I mean, if I was a girl. All right, that's weird. That's weird. Now bring it on back. Chris Hemsworth is Saul, my man. What's going on, Chris? So Saul would be the next king of Israel. Saul would fail his people. And we see that in 1 Kings chapter 12, the people regret this. You know, God never lies. God is always faithful to what he says will happen. The people regret their desire for a king. And in 1 Kings chapter 12, you can go read it back at home. It says that the people cry out and they say, this man has to put too many burdens on us. What did Samuel just say to them? like a list of 12 things that this king would do. And they say, that's all right, we got it. We still want a king. They regret this. They regret the fact that they begged for a king, but God still gave them what they asked for. Now, this is important to understand here. Although God knew Saul would prove to be a flawed king, God gave Israel exactly what they asked for. Listen, God will give to those whom he loves for two reasons. God will give to those whom he loves for two reasons. Number one is obvious. He loves to give to his children just to bless them that we might recognize that all that we have is from him and give him all the glory and give him the praise. That's why God loves to bless his children. That's why God gives to his children. The second reason though that God gives to his children is so that we might see our need for him when we recognize that that which we thought would fulfill us actually only fails us. God will often give to his people whom he loves for the very reason, even though they asked for it, that they might then recognize his need for him so that they understand what they really wanted would not fulfill them, but would only fail them. Have you ever thought that God might allow us to have that which is not best for us. In other words, God might give you what is not best for you. Have you ever thought that? That God might give something to you, that which is not actually best for you? And you say, that, that's, that's cruel. Why would God do that? God, I don't believe that. God wouldn't do that. Well, it was right here in 1 Samuel chapter 8. It says in verse 7 that God said, I desire to rule over them as their king, but they have rejected me. So what was best for them? God as their king. But what did God give them? God gave them an earthly man as their king. God desired to rule over the nation of Israel. That's why he had judges. So God desired to be their king, but the people wanted an earthly human to be their king. So what was best for them? Well, God God was best for them, but what did God give them? A man something that was not best for them. And you might say, well, that's cruel. Why would God give them that which wasn't best for them? Well, number one, because they asked for it. They asked for it. But number two, the only reason, I want you guys to hear me on this because this is extremely important. The only reason God would give you what you asked for, though it wasn't best for you, 
is so that you might see your need for him because that which you thought would fulfill you really only fails you. God will give us from time to time that which we think we need so that when we get it, we understand that our true need is for him. God will give us from time to not from time to time things that we think we need so that when we eventually get it we understand that our true need is for God and God alone. And then we say God, you're right. You're all I need. I right, think of it this way. So I love to talk about my daughter, um Ava. She's only a year and a half, almost a year and a half now. And uh it was just about last week and it was a super hot day and the sun was shining on our small little back deck that we have. And uh, you guys know how it feels when the sun's just been shining down on uh, like the pavement for just most of the day that it's hot to the touch. And so that's how our deck was at the uh, like middle of the day, like two or three o'clock. Our deck was just, it was burning hot. And so Ava, our daughter, she loves to go outside and she always says, dad, dad, outside, outside, outside. So I pick her up and I take her outside, but I didn't have any shoes on. So when I hit the deck, um, like I noticed obviously that the deck was super hot. And so I went back in, I put some slides on and went back outside and Ava just wanted to run around the deck. She didn't want me to hold her. She was begging me. She was begging me for uh, me to put her down. And she was kept, she kept saying ground, ground, ground. And I was saying, no, no, it's too hot. It's too hot. And she understands what that means now. Like too hot. When we give her something that's too hot, like to eat and she'll like put it in her mouth. She's like too hot, too hot. And she'll spit it out. And so, I mean, just the cutest thing. So we were outside and she was begging me. She was fussy and she was moving in my arms and she was wanting to get down. But I knew that the ground was too hot, but she wouldn't budge. She kept pushing me away and she wanted to get down. So as a good, loving dad, I was like, all right, I'll give you what you've been asking for. I'll give you what you want. And so I slowly set her down and I knew as soon as she hit, hit the ground, it was going to be too hot. So I slowly set her down, and as soon as her little toes hit that uh, hot ground, she yelps, she jumps right back into my arms, she says, hot, hot, hot. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I told you. And I'm like having this argument with my one-year-old. I'm like, I told you it was too hot. And, and, you know, and I'm like, what am I doing? And, uh, but that is exactly what God has done with the people of Israel. They are begging and begging for something that they don't, really need because God knows what's best for them. But God, in order to, for them to grasp and to conceptualize and for them to understand what they really need, he gives them what they ask. This is sometimes often what we do. We go to the Lord and we beg the Lord for things. And they might be good things, but we beg the Lord for things because we think, if only I had this, then I would have peace. If only I had that, then that would fulfill me. If only I had this, then I'd be happy. So if only I had that guy, then I'd be happy. If only I had that girl, then I'd be at peace. If only I had or got that job, then I would be happy. If only I got that promotion. If only I got that raise. If only I got, 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 then I would be happy or complete or satisfied or fulfilled or gratified. And so oftentimes, the Lord will give us those things, though those might be fine things to desire. But oftentimes, the Lord will give us those things so that we, when we get it, we eventually finally understand that that which we thought we needed was not truly what we wanted. 
Because the only thing that truly fulfills and satisfies and brings us lasting peace is God and God alone. And I'm not knocking those things like a raise and a promotion and marriage or a relationship or whatever. Those are good things. But when you, listen to me, when you place God expectations on good things, it will only fail you every time. When you place God expectations on good things, it will fail you every time. When you look to those certain things in your life that you feel like you need to bring some kind of peace or lasting happiness to you, you are placing a God expectation on that thing. And when you do that, it will only fail you. This was Israel. So God gave them what they wanted so that they understood that what they were asking for was not truly what they needed. They needed the Lord. Are you asking God for something because you think it will complete you? Are you asking God for something right now because you think if I just had something or someone, then I would be happy? Learn from 1 Samuel chapter 8. And tonight, make God the king over your life. Make God the king over your decisions. Make God the king in your heart. Because when we give another thing or someone that throne in our lives and in our hearts, even though it's a good thing, that good thing will be a bad God. Make God the rightful king in your life. Is that you tonight? Do you need to make God the king in your life tonight? Have you not allowed God to properly rule and reign over your life? Do that tonight. And commit yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to give you my life and you are going to be the rightful king to rule and reign in my heart. Let's pray. And if that's you tonight, if you just, you just need to confess to the Lord, Lord, I have not made you the king over my heart. I have not made you the king in my life. Just take a moment now and just as we pray, Just ask him, Lord, be my king. Be the Lord over my life. I want nothing more than to be satisfied and complete and fulfilled through you and by you, Lord. Lord, I just pray for everyone now. Just ask God that we would make you the rightful king in our hearts, that we would make you the rightful king over our lives, God. Lord, forgive us when we have put someone else or we have put something else over our lives, Lord, and we've made them king and we've made them ruler over our hearts. Lord, tonight I pray that we would make you the king in our, in our, in our lives, that we, we would make you the ruler over our hearts, Lord, and that we would give you your rightful throne and your rightful place in our lives. Please, Lord, be our king and forgive us when we've placed another thing in your place, Lord. We love you and we recognize that you are the only thing that can truly fulfill us, that you are the only one who can truly satisfy us, Lord. Fill us, Lord, with your spirit, God. We love you. It's in your son, Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.